Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. Trump's own private concierge federal judge Eileen Cannon has already violated her oath enough as it is on his behalf. She has now revealed she is about to fulfill his second biggest wish as early as today to delay his trial, delay his trial past the already delayed start date of May 20th, 2024, delay it certainly until after the primaries are over, delay it conceivably until after the Republican convention and maybe until after the election itself. The dream of the Trumps. And Cannon's excuse will be that he and his lawyers are so busy with so many different trials that the courts just have to adjust their schedules. As if it was America's fault and not Trump's that he tried to steal all the classified documents he could shove into his cheesy bathroom and steal the election in each of the different ways he could think to try to steal it. Delay his trial. Delay his trial for stealing classified government documents and United States war plans and potentially endangering the U.S. nuclear fleet and sharing these secrets with foreign nationals, one of whom reportedly in turn shared them with 11 of his own foreign employees, 10 assorted officials of his home government, six journalists and three former prime ministers. Yet at a hearing yesterday, concierge judge Eileen Cannon looked at the Trump demands to examine even more classified information as part of discovery. And the special counsel said this is part of an explicit and unmistakable stall to postpone this trial even further. And instead of doing what Judge Chutkin in Washington did, which was to follow the law and say, no, you know, it says right here in the law, the defendant is not entitled to see 100 percent of the classified evidence. Ninety percent is enough. Judge Concierge wants to let Trump's team keep looking and looking and looking and stalling to their heart's content. And that delay, in turn, will allow Trump's employee canon to create another delay she says at her hearing yesterday i'm having a hard time seeing how this work can be accomplished in this compressed period of time 
because the delays in getting the materials turned over would cause the Florida documents pretrial timetable to clash with the Washington election subversion pretrial timetable. When government attorney Jay Brandt said in exasperation that they really need to stick to the already slack schedule that Cannon devised, Cannon answered, quote, I'm not seeing in your position a level of understanding to these realities. Only a cynic would suggest that the realities to which Judge Concierge refers are that Trump appointed Judge Concierge. Call me a cynic. Eileen Cannon, the former flamenco dancing and yoga correspondent of the Miami El Nuevo Herald newspaper, and I wish I were making that up, who a week from Monday will celebrate three whole years as a judge anywhere. She says she's prepared to make reasonable adjustments to the Florida schedule, which right now has the pretrial hearing on Tuesday, May 14th, 2024, with the earliest start date Monday, May 20th. Reasonable adjustments for the benefit of justice, judge? or reasonable adjustments for the guy who personally promoted you to federal judge from your previous job as one of 6,300 assistant United States attorneys. The whole thing reeks. That's the banana republic. To use one of Dementia J. Trump's most infamous social media constructions, what Trump did in swiping, stealing, Palming, hoarding, stacking, sharing, and maybe selling all of those secret documents is an act so egregious that in times gone by, the punishment would have been death, as he phrased something else. Or if not capital punishment, then these charges alone, when taken in combination with his attempt to steal the election and violently overthrow representative government in our country, that would have resulted in a guy in jail in leg irons until the trial starts. It could be that we have evolved from that point in our history, or that we have declined from that point in our history. But the further we get away from that, the more we let this manipulative, loophole-sniffing, cunning animal game the legal system into tying itself into knots and giving him a way to literally or just effectively be in position to pardon himself for his own treachery in 2025. The more we approach the moment when that's possible, is the more we approach the moment when the nation comes apart at the seams. What Eileen Cannon is doing on behalf of her benefactor Trump is the kind of perversion of justice that our legal system was supposedly built not just to withstand, but to crush. If she today gives Trump yet another delay on the stupefying premise that, well, he's treasoned so much that there's a treason trial glut, so we have to give him a pass on some of his treason. If she does that, Jack Smith needs to be in that courtroom or as many other courtrooms as are required to get Eileen Cannon off this case. Trump already has enough lawyers. The judge should not be serving as one of them. It is absolutely true that for the next year, there will be more court dates than campaign stops for Trump. That's one of the reasons you, you know, are supposed to obey the laws. Even if you don't believe any laws on earth apply to you. Developments now from the New York fraud and the Colorado 14th Amendment disqualification cases and from another Trump case I hadn't even heard of, the Michigan 14th Amendment case. In Colorado, the judge again has refused a Trump motion to immediately find the case in his favor. Trump's lawyers then began to roll out what seems to be an attempt to prove Trump did not want January 6th to happen and did not engage in insurrection or rebellion or give aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. 
And naturally, if you're going to try to do that, the first person you're going to call as a witness to Trump's loyalty to the Constitution is Cash Patel. Cash Patel. Because Eileen Cannon was too busy to testify. Cash Patel who testified that he was there when Trump authorized 20,000 troops from the D.C. National Guard in anticipation of January 6th, which Trump's own defense secretary denies ever happened. And when pressed for any evidence that it did happen, any evidence at all, Patel said, I got nothing. Patel did confirm, though, that every month he gets paid $15,000 from a Trump political action committee. Patel was not asked how much of that he'd be willing to spend to get those eyes fixed. The next Trump witness against disqualifying him from the presidential ballot in Colorado next year was Katrina Pearson. And it's at times like these when you have to admit it's a damn shame that Diamond of Diamond and Silk died last January. Your Honor, we next call Cesar Sayoc, the MAGA bomber. Cesar Sayoc, everybody. Meanwhile, in Ann Arbor, Trump's lawyers have sued the Michigan Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson to prevent her from leaving his name off the ballot there and to get a judge to declare she does not have the authority to leave it off. They say they have asked the Secretary of State for reassurance that she's not going to do that in Michigan, and they have not heard back, so... Since the only human emotions Trump understands are lawsuits, contracts, bribes, prenups, and non-disclosure agreements, they are taking the Secretary of State from Michigan to court. There have been private legal actions started to keep Dementia J off the Michigan ballot, but the state has done nothing, making Trump's motion here even more crazy than usual especially given that he's facing actually advanced prospects of disqualification in, as mentioned, Colorado, also Minnesota, and most importantly, New Hampshire and Arizona. Here in New York, Judge Arthur Engeron has to broaden the gag order. At 2.28 Eastern Wednesday morning, again with the insomnia, Trump raged against the judge because he had ordered Junior and Moron Junior and Girl Junior to also testify Leave my children alone, Engeron, Trump threatened, as if Trump could actually name all his children without taking a breath or doing a Google search. Moron Jr. is supposed to testify today. Trump himself testifies Monday. Girl Jr. next Wednesday. Leave Britvanka alone! Six hours after Trump threatened the judge, he was back for more. Quote, Engeron is crazy, totally unhinged, and dangerous. And yet, when Dementia Jr. went up the courthouse steps to testify yesterday morning, and when he testified, he blamed it all on the accountants, an officer at the top of the steps, from his shoulder patch, he looked more like NYPD than a state court officer, an officer threw the three percenter signal with his hand to, or at least towards, Donald Trump Jr. The three percenters are the gun nut anti-authority terrorist gang that supposedly dissolved its American organization in protest of the violence on January 6th, yet it still exists in local chapters. It draws its stupid name from the drunk history claim that the American Revolution was won even though the Continental Army never amounted to more than 3% of all the colonists. The three percenters have made some inroads into law enforcement in this country. And interestingly, given the three percenter signal from that officer yesterday towards Trump Jr., on May 27, 2019, a photo was posted to an Instagram account in which a man was shown wearing a shirt bearing both the MAGA slogan and the skull logo of the three percenters. The Instagram account belonged to... And the three percenter logo was worn by Donald Trump Jr. Your witness on the Dementia J. Trump scoreboard, I mentioned night two of the insomnia. And then there was the little Freudian slip 
in the latest video clip posted to try to foment more violence, uh, it's nothing much. Just in it, Trump says that tyrants support MAGA. Well, well, look, first I'll play the clip, then I'll read the verbatim, then I'll play the clip a second time so neither of us thinks we're nuts. This is your chance to take a stand against tyrants that support the one and only movement that can save our country and make America great again. The verbatim on that, quote, this is your chance to take a stand against tyrants that support the one and only movement that can save our country and make America great again. Tyrants that support the one and only movement that can save our country. Take a stand against tyrants that support the one and only movement that can save our country. He said it. I didn't. Take a stand against tyrants that support MAGA. Tyrants, MAGA. Dr. Freud, please. I'll wait. I don't think it's untreated tertiary syphilis, but it sounds like untreated tertiary syphilis. He's old and he's nuts. And whatever it is, it's getting worse. And he is Dementia J. Trump. A reminder of that polling. 43% of the voters think they're both too old. And in that group, 61% say they plan to vote for President Biden and 15% say for Trump. So the immediate campaign issue is not how to decrease voters' worries about Biden's age, but to increase voters' worries about Trump's age. And oh, by the way, in complaining about the New York trial online, he invoked Perry Mason again. The TV courtroom drama so old that its last new weekly episode aired on May 22nd, 1966. Thank you, Nancy Faust. Yeah, that, that was the that was the Perry Mason theme. Like you didn't know. Like you and what 300 million other Americans didn't know. If there were a new episode of Perry Mason, they do show it on cable, even though all the stars are dead. It could be titled The Case of the Unspeakable Speaker's Unaccounted For Account. The mining of the biography of the fifth string speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, continues to rival in profundity that of the Comstock Lode. Now, there's a current reference. The Daily Beast notes that all members of Congress have to disclose all bank accounts, which contain $1,000 or more each or $5,000 in total, and the number of bank accounts disclosed by Speaker Johnson since 2016 is zero. Maybe God just sends him a money gram every time he's a little short in cash. There are many earthly explanations for this. None of them are good, though. The gentlest is Mike Johnson does not understand money or math or addition, or subtraction, or budgets. You will recall Johnson has inexplicably refused to release $14 billion in aid to Israel unless an offset of $14 billion is made from the IRS budget, money that would have been spent and might yet be spent to hire more agents to pursue more wealthy tax dodgers. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office yesterday joined the partisan chorus of complaints that this is nuts, by calculating that this little offset about the IRS wouldn't save the government a dime. It would instead increase the deficit by $12,500,000,000. Mike Johnson, who does not have a bank account, or is lying about not having a bank account, Mike Johnson either does not understand this, or does not believe this, or is pretending to not understand or not believe. In other words... In other words, he's either playing dumb or he's not playing. 
Right. Were you surprised by the CBO score, sir? Not surprised at all. Only in Washington when you cut spending do they call it a, an increase in the deficit. Kind of obscured there, Johnson said, in essence, only in Washington could you save money and be charged with running up the deficit. And if he somehow is not an idiot or a mathematical ignoramus or a really bad actor, Mike Johnson certainly is this, a homophobe. CNN's crew is just back from the Johnson Comstock load mine with a stunner. In the first decade of this century, Mike Johnson was not only an attorney for a group called Alliance Defense Fund, but Alliance Defense Fund and he collaborated with another group called Exodus International. And what was Exodus International's thing? Conversion therapy for gay kids. The attempt to force gay people, particularly young ones, straight by all manner of abuse and bullying and worse. And what they did was not only so bad, but so obviously bad and damaging that Exodus International shut itself down in 2013 and its founder then made a public apology for the, quote, pain and hurt it and he had caused. And Mike Johnson was not just a lawyer here, he was an advocate who promoted, who gave interviews about, who insisted ancient Rome fell because of homosexuality. Mike Johnson promoted an annual Day of Truth event, which was billed as an anti-gay event aimed at teens. I'll repeat what I said yesterday. Whatever the scandal is in this guy's closet, I am confident it is so big and so disturbing that the first thing they will find in his closet is the doors to several other closets. Also of interest here, the House did not expel Santos and did not take a vote on censuring Tlaib, and the Senate did not thwart Tuberville. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome to your tax dollars in action. On the other hand... The likely Republican Senate nominee in Pennsylvania next year thinks he can fight a bear and win. And there's always the World Series. That's next. (laughs) This is Countdown. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. 
Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In Sports Dateline, Phoenix, Arizona. The Texas Rangers became the last of the original baseball expansion franchises of 1961 and 1962 to win the World Series. No hit through six innings last night by Zach Gallon of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Texas pushed through a run and then padded it with four in the ninth to beat the Snakes five-zip and win the series four games to one. Arizona which had the 12th best record in the majors during the regular season compared to Texas's 7th best, dominated Game 2 and tied the series at one win apiece last Saturday night. And then, just like last year's Philadelphia Phillies, they disappeared. Arizona did not lead once, not for one inning in the final three games of the World Series in their own home ballpark. And they had blown a 5-1 to one lead in Game 1. They were completely outmanaged by the Texas skipper, Bruce Boshi, who won his fourth World Series and cinched, if he had not already, his spot in the Hall of Fame. And if, like me, you were at the game in 1978 at Shea Stadium in New York, on the field taking pictures, when the Houston Astros called up a rookie catcher with a giant head bigger even than your own named Bruce Boshi, you know how you feel right now. Proud. What is now the Texas franchise was such a joke for such a long time that in 1969, believe it or not, Mad Magazine ran a gag and a gimmick about giving all the kids who read Mad Magazine free insurance against getting hit in the head by a foul ball at a Washington Senators New York Mets World Series. The joke being... The Senators and the Mets were so bad there would never be such a World Series. The Mets won the World Series that same year. The Senators did not. They moved to Texas in 1972, and after two failures, two blown World Series leads, they finally won it this year, last night. Dateline 10201 West Pico Boulevard, Los Angeles, California. Hello. That is the address of the headquarters of Fox Sports, and they are not going to be happy there today. The World Series TV ratings, once the benchmark for all of sports, will almost certainly end up not just below the 10 million viewer supposed floor per game rating, but below 9 million per game, maybe below 8.5 million per game. The Game 4 ratings came out Last night, just before the first pitch of Game 5, 8,480,000 viewers, the least watched Game 4 ever and by a margin of more than a million. Though it was a slight ratings increase over worse ratings for Games 2 and 3. At least my pal Boog Shambi killed it on the play-by-play on ESPN Radio. The only question about the TV thing left is, will the fact that the series is over and there'll be no Game 6 tomorrow night have any numerical effect on the TV ratings? Because, as these ratings show, almost nobody will notice the difference. The ratings for Game 2 last Saturday, 8,150,000 viewers. The lowest-rated World Series game ever at least since they went to color TV. The ratings for Game 3 on Monday night, 8,130,000 viewers. No, that's the lowest rated World Series game ever. It's also less than half of the average ratings for the World Series in 2017. Houston versus L.A., 18.9 million per game in that series. And unbelievably, 8.13 million viewers is literally just 15% of the TV audience that saw the most watched World Series game of all time. Game 7 of the 1986 World Series between the Mets and the Red Sox. At least 55 million viewers. Some counts have it as high as 60 million and a rating of 38.9. 
I remember those ratings. Get me all nostalgic. I always point out that there were two non-baseball factors in the 80s that we do tend to forget and really matter. First, cable was still not universal on the night of October 27, 1986, so most of America's viewing choices consisted of the following. Kate and Allie, Newhart, Designing Women, and Cagney and Lacey on CBS, MacGyver, and Monday Night Football on ABC, Masterpiece Theater and The Day the Universe Changed with James Burke on PBS, and the little seventh Game of the World series with the Mets and the Red Sox, the game after the Bill Buckner, Mookie Wilson game with Vin Scully and Joe Garagio on NBC. Some good programs there, but not exactly a thousand different options and the World Series, which is how you get a 38.9 rating. On the other hand, the population of the United States in 1986 was 28% smaller than it is now, so it's not that the World Series ratings are down by 85% compared with 1986, because adjusted for population, the World Series ratings are closer to being down by 89%. Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred's solution to this yesterday, he said, we'll reseed the teams after each round of the playoffs. Yeah, rather than the obvious problem, which is the first round buys where the best teams don't play for like four or five days and get rusty. The division winners first round buys. The Dodgers got one this year. They got swept. The Orioles got one. They got swept. The Braves got one. They lost in four games last year. The Dodgers and Braves got first round buys and they each lost in four. But yeah, reseeding should do it. I am once again proud to say that Rob Manfred was at Cornell when I was. And he's the one who wound up as commissioner of baseball. Dateline San Diego, startling news from the big budget, big disappointment San Diego Padres, The Athletic, quotes sources who say that the club basically ran out of money and had to take a $50 million loan just to meet player payroll and address short-term cash flow issues in September. Baseball, which can whistle past any graveyard, vanishing TV World Series audiences, its team in the 18th largest market in the country, coming up short about one month's worth of money. Baseball says, look on the bright side. The Padres must be fine. They were able to get the loan and not, you know, go bankrupt or, or something. By the way, hats off to my friend Bob Melvin. Bob left as manager of the Oakland A's after the 2021 season, and the franchise basically collapsed weeks later, and it's now a lame duck waiting to move to Las Vegas. Bob left Oakland in order to become manager of the Padres. And then on October 25th, Bob left the Padres to become manager of the San Francisco Giants, and eight days later in San Diego, now, now we're fine. We're only $50 million short. <laughs> And Dateline Bloomington, Indiana. Legendary Indiana basketball coach Bob Knight has died at the age of 83. He won the national championship in 1976 with the most recent men's team to go unbeaten. He won 11 Big Ten titles. He was also fired by Indiana after 29 seasons there for wholesale abuse of players and staff. And maybe passersby. It sure seemed like it. I am not going to be hypocritical here and say nice things about him. I am going to say that he hated me, and I hated him back, and that Bob Knight tried to get me fired by ESPN. And no, I'm not seeking some sort of revenge and dancing on his grave. It is an ironic story worth telling even when there are many who are genuinely mourning him right now because the dispute was completely accidental. But it says something about him. We showed highlights on SportsCenter of an Indiana basketball game in December 1993 when Bob's son, Pat Knight, was playing for him at Indiana. Father took son out of the game because he wasn't playing well, and father shoved son by his shoulders onto the team bench. Some witnesses at the game say Bobby Knight also kicked his son, Pat. The video did not show that, and we did not say that. But... It showed the shove, all right. And guess who was doing the highlights on SportsCenter that night? Shrug emoji. What I said narrating that video, I concluded with, and this is not a precise quote, but I think it's correct. At home with the Bobby Knight family. 
Well, hell. the next day, Bob Knight got on the phone and called every ESPN executive he knew and many he did not and threatened never to let the network cover another Indiana game and to bar our reporters and to kick my ass and, 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 and a lot of other stuff he also could not actually ever do. To their credit, my bosses told me of Knight's displeasure and they said, maybe you shouldn't do the next couple of Indiana highlights. But that was it. Within a month, I was doing Indiana highlights again. They didn't ask me to apologize. They didn't ask me to talk to them or anything. For 30 years, I have given them all the credit in the world for that. And I asked, naturally, just for me, not to go on the air with it, Coach Knight was shown on national television shoving his own son, and he wants me fired? I mean, my thing was a wise-ass joke. His was shoving his own son a player on national television. And one of the guys who really knew college basketball at ESPN, knew it well, told me that whether I had known it or not, my remark at home with the Bobby Knight family was what had driven Knight crazy. See, the guy told me, uh, the public doesn't know this, but when his first wife divorced him in the 80s, that was one of her allegations. I had had no idea, no inkling, no clue. I wasn't even guessing. I wasn't extrapolating. I didn't have a spirit message. It wasn't inspiration. It was just a really typical mean-spirited joke of mine. Bob Knight tried to get me fired because he thought I knew. So... I didn't really blame him. In fact, I took it as a kind of compliment. Rest in peace. On countdown from the desert to the sea to all of Southern California. The great newscaster who not only dominated there for four decades, but who once came back after three weeks off recovering. After that time, he got shot in the Channel 7 parking lot. Things I promise not to tell. Coming up, first time for the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst. Persons in the world from the desert to the sea to all of Southern California. Worse, Fox Business News. You know, the Maria Bartiromo's Credibility Memorial Channel. At 2.04 p.m. Eastern yesterday, it sent out this little urgent social media post, quote, breaking dot dot dot. That was it. No follow-up, no explanation, no deletion leaving us to supply with our imaginations exactly what was breaking. Like uh, Bartiromo's brain or Stuart Varney's hair or something. Worser, HBO, or as it likes to call itself now, Max. And it calls itself Max, and you say, who? What? Huh? And somebody whispers, HBO. And you go, oh, HBO. And if its recent struggles with its identity were not clues enough that something has gone very wrong with that outfit that really, truly launched cable television in this country. I mean, it was originally owned by Madison Square Garden and it showed new movies and hockey games and basketball games and even a slate of Major League Baseball games. If its recent confusion were not the first sign of trouble, well, this report from Rolling Stone probably is. In June 2020, the magazine reports, HBO's president of original programming, Casey Bloys, was really pissed off by complaints about the reboot of Perry Mason. Yeah, yeah, Trump's favorite new show of 1957. This reboot got banned or panned or something by a TV critic from Vulture named Catherine Van Arendonk. So HBO gave Perry Mason a backstory, trauma in World War I or something like that. And the critic wrote, Dear Prestige TV, please find some way to communicate male trauma besides showing me a flashback to the hero's memories of trench warfare. Well, President Bloys of 
HBO Max, HB Maxo, did what any TV exec would do. He texted an HBO vice president and they began to devise a plan in which they would use or create a burner account on Twitter to attack the critic Van Arendonk's criticism by making it look like she was mocking war casualties. Turned out HBO actually did have fictitious tweeters attacking other critics from the New York Times and Rolling Stone and Deadline and others who said bad things about HBO shows. And somebody posted an anonymous comment somewhere saying HBO's future was this guy bloys and on and on and and I don't get it. Why go to such trouble? Why not just hire John Barron or John Miller to do your PR? But our winner, the worst, David McCormick, the hedge fund guy who, as hard as this is in retrospect to believe, lost the Republican nomination for Senate in Pennsylvania last year to Mehmet Oz. Yes, he was the runner-up to Dr. Charcuterie himself. Having learned his lesson, hit the wall harder with your head next time. David McCormick is now intending to run again for the Senate in Pennsylvania next year. And I think we now understand all of this. Mr. McCormick has appeared on a podcast called Ruthless, which bills itself as bringing next generation conservative talk to the next level. A, there is no next generation conservative. But B, it has a logo in which the parts of its name ruthless ruth and less are on two different lines it says ruth and then beneath it it says less so you look at that and you're thinking so this is a podcast hosted by somebody named ruth or it's hosted by somebody not named ruth or it has less ruth than the other podcasts anywho David McCormick, already a failed Senate candidate going for double honors in that field, went on this podcast and revealed he is confident he can successfully fight a bear. So what is the biggest animal you think you could take? I think I think I could take a bear. Wow. (laughs) I think I could take a bear. Now, there's big bears and little bears, but, you know, I think a good medium sized bear. Yeah. You know, I've watched those bears. First of all, they're lazy. Yeah. They don't look like they're in shape, uh-huh. right? You know, right. so I think you can go the long game with them. Uh-huh. And you know, their their claws and their teeth are big, but not that big. I mean, they're not like a lion or anything, you know? And so I think if I could get a bear right pre-hibernation or post-hibernation, <laughs> you know? It was about time. Yeah. yeah. And I hadn't eaten much and he hadn't eaten much or he'd eaten a lot. A couple, couple more, couple <laughs> couple more, more yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm long on McCormick. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. A bear. You are convinced you can fight and defeat a bear. If this actually happens, of course, it will end with a news story featuring the following phrase. The body of former Pennsylvania Senate candidate David... You can fight and defeat a bear? You couldn't fight and defeat Mehmet Oz! David, oh wait, that's a bear? Never mind, McCormick. Today's worst person in the world! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. 
Terminix can't help you run for office or take on the country's biggest problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home, pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalized pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians may not know intricate political strategy, but they know their local pest pressures. And with customized plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians, and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To the number one story on the countdown and my favorite topic, me and things I promise not to tell. And somebody sent me a video of him the other day and I laughed again and I flashed back again. And now you get to hear about him, too. From the desert to the sea to all of Southern California, good evening. You may or may not have ever heard of Jerry Dunphy. That statement that you may or may not have ever heard of Jerry Dunphy just sent anybody from Southern California who is more than 35 years old into a deep, stunned silence because Jerry Dunphy was ubiquitous on TV news in Los Angeles from 1960 until 2002. He died a week after his last newscast, and there are some in the business who have seriously believed he may show up again sooner or later on TV, even though he's dead. He worked for Channel 2. And he and his team won all the ratings wars for 15 years. And then one year, the station finished only tied for first in the spring L.A. ratings of 1975. So the CBS corporate geniuses in New York fired him and he went to Channel 7 like 36 hours later. And then Channel 7 won nearly all the ratings periods there over 14 years. And then after six years at Channel 9, he was hired back at Channel 2, where he started, where they fired him. Hired back at Channel 2 for a couple million more than he was making when they fired him 20 years earlier. And then he went back to Channel 9 and he was still on every night at the age of 80. And oh, by the way, he worked for 29 years after he came out of the KABC studios on the night of October 24th, 1983. Hopped into his Rolls Royce with the station makeup lady by his side and was ambushed and shot in the neck by four assailants leading him to issue the memorable statement, they said, don't move, and I didn't, but they shot anyway, unquote. And they never figured out who shot him or why, but Jerry Dunphy was back on the air three weeks later anyway, and you cannot imagine how many different guesses there were about that in the L.A. news industry when I was on the air there from 1985 through 1991. There is no question that in creating the fictional newscasters Ted Baxter and Kent Brockman, and maybe even Ron Burgundy, much was stolen from Jerry Dunphy. Jerry Dunphy had a huge shock of white hair, a craggy face, and a rich baritone voice. He was in 21 different movies, including Oh God! and the amazing Anne Margaret flick Kitten with a Whip. No, really, there is an Anne Margaret film called Kitten with a Whip! Anyway, I knew Jerry Dunphy. He was a smart man and a nice and a welcoming man and obviously quite a businessman, but he did have a tendency on the air to become, in his own words, a teleprompter reading machine. He said, you put it up there and I'm going to say it down here. And that's what this story is about. When I got to Los Angeles at the age of 26 in 1985, our newscast, Channel 5 News at 10, was like something out of the 1960s. The studio had carpeting on the walls. There were no graphics to speak of, just a big rear screen projection device. 
Our best reporter, the lovely Stan Chambers, had literally worked there since the station had signed on the air for the first time 38 years before, and he would keep working there for another 25 years. Our inimitable anchorman, Hal Fishman, would not wear an IFB, an earpiece, because he thought viewers might think that if he did, it was because he needed a hearing aid. He did, however, wear one of a series of toupees of different length to simulate the need for a haircut. Until the first commercial break was over on News at 10, only Hal spoke. His female co-anchor just sat there adoringly. And the producer was a marvelously frantic character named Jerry Rubin, who every night at 9 p.m., an hour to airtime, would run around the newsroom screaming, Battle stations! Battle stations! and who took me seriously only when I could figure out what his, as Jerry phrased it, invisible thread was running through his nightly ordering of the stories, the rundown. He would ask me to come into the newsroom and look at the rundown and say, all right, Olberman, you're so smart. What's the invisible thread? And he only began to like me when I could recite to him from memory the starting lineup of his beloved 1945 Chicago Cubs. But he stayed liking me. We remained friends for 30 years. Anyway, Jerry had come to Los Angeles in 1969, hired away from WGN in Chicago to become the lead writer for, this is where the story comes together, you guessed it, the Jerry Dunphy newscasts on KNXT, the CBS station in Los Angeles. In fact, after winning every sweeps period for nine years, the newscast had rightly become the big news with Jerry Dunphy. And it began with an unseen announcer intoning, the big news with Jerry Dunphy. Now, here is Jerry Dunphy. And then Jerry Dunphy said his catchphrase, the catchphrase of all catchphrases. Unlike the guy I worked with in New York when I was an intern, Bill Jorgensen, thank you for your time this time till next time. Jerry Dunphy said, from the desert to the sea to all of Southern California, good evening. Nonsense, of course, but boy, it sounded good. From the desert to the sea to all of Southern California, good evening. He said this so often that it is still used in some promotional announcements by Channel 9 News in Los Angeles and Channel 7 News in Los Angeles and Channel 2 in Los Angeles. From the desert to the sea to all of Southern California, good evening, I'm dead. Well, no, they don't actually say that, but that's pretty much what it means. The only joke about the night he got shot outside the parking lot that I can tell is that when the cops arrived, Dunphy said to them, from the desert to the sea to all of Southern California, good evening, I've been shot in the neck. The first night my friend Jerry Rubin sat down to write the big news with Jerry Dunphy. Jerry Rubin was a little nervous. He got there early, he said. He wrote some stories a dozen times each, trying to get it perfect. Finally, for the lead story, which if memory serves was about a bank robbery in Pasadena, Jerry got it just right. And on that 1969 evening at 6 p.m., viewers of the big news on Channel 2 in Los Angeles, those for whom from the desert to the sea to all of Southern California was not a cliché but mantra, they heard the familiar Channel 2 screeching theme music and then the big news with Jerry Dunphy. Now here is Jerry Dunphy. And up popped Jerry Dunphy's face and he said, three armed and very dangerous modern-day desperados are still loose in Pasadena tonight after blah, 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 blah. The newscast ended an hour later. Jerry Rubin was very relieved. Jerry Dunphy strode back to his desk before presumably going out to warm up the Rolls Royce and avoid the gunmen who would finally get him 14 years later and not even slow him down. And that's when the station's news director leaned out of his office and waved the two Jerrys inside. What the hell happened, Dunphy? Did you retire it? You can't retire it. It's in the contract. You have to stay it. According to Jerry Rubin, Dunphy looked blankly at his boss. Jerry Rubin said he was even more confused himself. From the desert to the sea. You didn't say from the desert to the sea. At the start of the big news, you say from the desert to the sea to all of Southern California, good evening. Only tonight you didn't say from the desert to the sea to all of Southern California, good evening. You said something about a bank. What the hell, Jerry? We got 250 phone calls. 
Jerry Dunphy now pursed his lips and turned to the new writer. What the hell, Reuben? Didn't you put it in the script? Jerry Rubin kept this part to himself, but frankly, he said he couldn't believe what he was hearing. For nine years, this man Dunphy had signed on virtually every one of his news broadcasts every night at 6, and then again every night at 11 by saying from the desert to the sea to all of Southern California, good evening. But apparently, if you did not write it in the script and did not put it on the teleprompter for him, he would forget it. Before Jerry Rubin could say anything, Jerry Dunphy barked at him with some understanding. Don't you understand? When I'm out there, I'm a teleprompter reading machine. You put it up there, I'm going to say it down here. You don't put it up there, I'm not going to say it down here. The news director looked sternly at Jerry Rubin. Jerry Rubin did not burst into uncontrollable laughter, race from the building KNXT was in on Sunset Boulevard, and get on the first plane back to Chicago. He just said, yes, sir. And the news director said, good. And everybody left, and from that night at 11 o'clock onwards, Jerry Rubin always started his script for the lead story by typing out from the desert to the sea to all of Southern California, good evening, there's a 26-car pileup on the Santa Monica freeway after another mattress has been dumped in the left lane. Or, from the desert to the sea to all of Southern California, good evening, Burbank Bank burgled. Or whatever. Over the next few weeks, the lead story on the big news with Jerry Dunphy would change, as lead stories do, at 5 p.m. or 5.30 or 5.50. Something bigger would happen, and it was the big news. So Jerry Rubin would often have to rewrite page one of the script. And every time he rewrote it, and every time he re-rewrote it, and the one time he told me that he re-re-rewrote it, Jerry remembered to start page one with, from the desert to the sea to all of Southern California, good evening. All was well. The teleprompter reading machine was happy. The news director was happy. Jerry Rubin was happy. And then calamity struck. At about 5.58 one night, Jerry Rubin was told there is a refinery fire in Torrance. It is the new lead story. Just say we're rushing a crew. Get it written. He started to type our top story, breaking news, a refinery. And then he tore the page from his machine. He started anew. His fingers danced across the keyboard. From the desert to the sea to all of Southern California. Good evening. Our top story tonight, breaking news. A refinery fire has just erupted in Torrance. A Channel 2 Big News live crew is rushing to the scene at this hour, and we will have a Big News live report from Rick Davis before this newscast is over. Reuben knew he did not have time to get a production assistant to take the new lead script into Dunphy, nor to tape it into the script about to pass through the teleprompter, so he did both things himself. New lead! He screamed at Dunphy, throwing the page at him, and the unseen announcer was already at mid-introduction when Jerry Rubin taped that new piece of script into the prompter without remembering to remove the old lead script from the prompter. And this is what Los Angeles heard. The big news with Jerry Dunphy. Now here is Jerry Dunphy. From the desert to the sea to all of Southern California, good evening. Our top story tonight, breaking news. A refinery fire has just erupted in Torrance. A Channel 2 Big News Live crew is rushing to the scene at this hour, and we will have a Big News Live report from Rick Davis before this newscast is over. Jerry Dunphy dramatically turned over page one and began to read page two. From the desert to the sea to all of Southern California, good evening. Our top story tonight, Mayor Sam Yorty said... Jerry Rubin said... My head dropped to my desk with a thud. I've done all the damage I can do here. Thank you for listening. Countdown has come to you from the Vin Scully Studios at the Olbermann Broadcasting Empire World Headquarters in New York. Countdown musical directors Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel arranged, produced, and performed most of our music. Mr. Chanel handled orchestration and keyboards. Mr. Ray was on guitars, bass, and drums. Produced by TKO Brothers. Other music, including some Beethoven works, were arranged and performed by the group No Horns Allowed. The sports music is courtesy of ESPN Inc., and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, and we call it the Olderman theme from ESPN 2. Our satirical and pithy musical comments are by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. 
Our announcer today was my friend Howard Feynman. And everything else was pretty much my fault. So that's countdown for this, the 1,031st day since Dementia J. Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Convict him now while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is tomorrow. Bulletins as the news warrants. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good morning, good afternoon, good night, and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax, Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.